well. I don't think you had your notes up. I do have my notes up. They're on my computer. Oh, okay. Are oh, you ready? I'm just texting. All right, guys. Welcome to the Haunted Heart Podcast. I, I'm ready. Did we start? Yes. Good. Good. I'm glad. That's what we call a soft open. Nice and soft. We just take you gently by the hand and we lead you right into the podcast like a lamb to slaughter. Ooh. I love a good lamb. Have the lamb stopped screaming yet, Clary? No. No, they haven't. <laughs> they haven't. <laughs> no, they continue. Cut to like a close up of Jodie Foster and it's like, Bridges like 20 minutes. Oh, our haunted heart family. We are together again. Here we are together. We've made it through the Halloween season. What, uh, do, 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 do. Made it through? We've made, made it. Made it through? We've made it through November 1st. We are here together on November whatever this day is. I think it's the 7th. It's the yeah. 7th, right? I also feel like you're going to need to talk into your mic. <laughs> Am I just not? Am no. I ignoring my mic? Yeah. Right before this, we turned the gain up because we found the gain knob. And like, <laughs> I put my mic in a really uh, inconvenient place. I, I liked to set... So I, I, I'm going to give you some like details so you can visualize what happened. I set my mic in one direction... And then I turned my body physically and I set my computer in the in exact opposite direction. direction. So my notes are, to, the are right. to my right and my mic is to my left. And the only thing in my line of vision to my left is a lovely mixed media piece of a martini glass. <laughs> And the oh, air conditioner fucking, that is off. I fucking hate that fucking mixed media piece. Yeah, like why do you, why do you, that's like the thing that looks least like you in this apartment. I probably. fucking hate it. God, I hate yeah. that painting. I don't know. It reminds me of like an accordion, like cut in half because it kind of comes out the wall at you, but not in a way that's interesting. Yeah. I think it was an actual accordion. I would like it better. All right. And that's the section of the podcast where we discuss paintings that you cannot see. <laughs> decor tips and tricks with the haunted heart <laughs> on a radio program <laughs> like <laughs> what oh yeah. god no yes i am so depressed right now yeah i'm so over i'm so over holiday did i tell you they have started playing christmas music at work i have listened to michael buble oh no about 37 times today. how about mariah do they have mariah no on there they for don't you? have mariah god on bless there. They just have uh, uh, Gwen Stefani singing a horrible rendition of Santa Baby. Is that, like, new? No, I don't think it is. Oh, I feel like I've never heard that. Here's the thing. Mercifully. Santa Baby is probably the one Christmas song that I actually like to listen to, but only when it's sung by Eartha Kitt. Yeah, because it's, like, a little slutty. Because it's slutty, it's yeah. sexy. I, I'm I, I'm into it, uh, but only by Eartha Kitt and no one else. And my work absolutely just loves to torture me with this horrible rendition by Gwen Stefani, which sucks. I feel like the problem is that like Eartha Kitt is like she's sexy with it, but she's like funny sexy. You know what I mean? And then everybody else just takes it to like straight sexy, like. 
Like they're just way too serious. And like she is being funny the whole time, which yeah. is cool. No, she's like it's definitely, cute. She's definitely coy. She's got cute. that like her voice is so unique. Right. Um, and she's one of my actually one of my favorite women in entertainment. And I just I can't. I'm over it already. Blood runs down my eyes uh, about my third hour into work. I just feel like Thanksgiving... Okay, so I make no bones about it. My favorite holidays, obviously, Halloween is number one and always will be. But then it's 4th of July because I fucking love America. And any excuse to wear denim cutoffs and red, white, and blue like heels is 100% for me. Mm-hmm. It's very on brand. Um, and my third favorite holiday is Thanksgiving. I love Thanksgiving. Because It's about fucking eating and just being with your family. You don't have to buy any presents. You just fucking yeah. eat some good food. <laughs> what was that? Yeah. 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 No, yeah. yet. No, yet. Yeah. Because then you get to go and fuck with my nerves on Black Friday after that. Thank you, no, everybody. I don't, see, I, don't I, I make it a point to not go out on Thursdays because it's garbage. Um, I don't, I hate that like consumerist culture where we're like trying to finish, like, don't rush me through my Thanksgiving dinner so that I can fucking go out with you to a store to buy some shit. No. The same goddamn stores that I have to go to the other 364 days of the damn year. You let me have my Thanksgiving meal. You let me eat this mac and cheese. You let me get in this stuffing. You let me have this seven layer salad and then have my turkey nap with my tryptophan. My family is always uh, a little. We always get the uh, the Bojangles turkey for Ooh, Thanksgiving. I had that one year. It's good as fuck. It is good as fuck. We're lazy. We don't deal with that shit. Like cook cook a fucking turkey. What? No Bojangles. Hello. It is good, but it, it is, is good. a damn I have good had turkey. It. Yes, I have had it. It's God, very good. I want some fucking cranberry sauce so bad right now. Mm. <sighs> it's just tart. It's very. Is this our Thanksgiving episode? Maybe, <laughs> girl. Maybe. Anyway, I don't even know how we got on Thanksgiving. Oh, my point was, I would like to have Thanksgiving. I do enjoy Thanksgiving. I understand it is a holiday, potentially commemorating the Pilgrims murdering thousands of Indigenous peoples. Like, I get it. I get that it's a lie. Like pretty much everything else about this fucking country. It is a lie, <laughs> but I enjoy it. I like some delicious Thanksgiving cooking, some down-home soul food, and I'm not trying to have to deal with Christmas coming in on my Thanksgiving. The day after Thanksgiving, I think this year it's the 22nd, so on the 23rd at midnight, at the stroke of midnight on the 23rd, y'all can play y'all's Christmas carols and all, all that shit, and I won't say nothing. But I did see two Christmas commercials on Halloween itself. Yeah. When we were watching Hocus Pocus. No, 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 no. Which is just not acceptable. No, it is not. So anyway, just, just appreciate Thanksgiving. Like slow down, appreciate what's important in life, which is eating that good food, getting them stomach pains because you didn't have too much of it and then napping it off and then going back in that kitchen and eating that cold mac and cheese. Fuck yeah. And getting up in that. So just, just appreciate it. Again, not our Thanksgiving episode. Not our Thanksgiving episode. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, go ahead and uh, follow. If you join our Facebook group and you get up on our Patreon, we will mail you cold packages of mac and cheese <laughs> <laughs> for Thanksgiving. No. Our Patreon gifts for the month of November are going to just be packets filled with mac and cheese. Fucking stuffing packets. I'm going to be honest with you. If I was listening and a podcast promised me that, I'd be like, you get to patreon.com slash the haunted heart. Well, you may not get cold macaroni cheese packets, but you will get a lot of fun shit if you join that Facebook and group. bonus content. Some bonus content. Lots of memes. We have the best memes. <laughs> we have the best memes. On our Facebook the group. The finest delicacy of memes. <laughs> <laughs> We've curated the finest delicacies uh, that you could find in reference to the memes that you could feast your eyes upon. Uh, just exquisite. You can lick them. I'm not going to judge you if you lick them. No, we've got some cool people on there. And you can catch up on our live if you missed it. You can. Our so if you are having if you are having Halloween withdrawals, honey, if you are feeling depressed. Oh, I have Halloween draws. If you are upset. Oh. You, no. Withdrawals. Oh, withdrawals. You have those too. Uh, yes, that too. If you're feeling bummed, uh, the live that we did, the It's a Live party uh, that we did on Halloween that we live streamed for you guys is on the Facebook page. There's three separate installments of it. I think all together it was like an hour and a half. So if you ever miss us during the week or you miss Halloween, just go to our Facebook page, pull up our live videos. There's fucking three different ones because my soul cakes broke the fucking camera. Yep. Um, it broke the live. Because they was real soul cakes made with real, real witchcraft. Wheel rich. Wheel. Wheel richcraft. Wheel richcraft. <laughs> yes. No, but it did uh, break the live, so it's fine. I'm just saying. You can find it on the Facebook group, and you should watch it because it's really fun. Yes. And another way. And thanks to everybody who joined us live too. That was fun. Yeah, that cool. was awesome. Yeah. I, I definitely expected to be completely alone, but just with Kenny, which yeah. is fine because that's. That's cool. Normally how our lives go. True. Uh, and also, you can join our Patreon. If you want to see more bonus content, exclusive, very important, highly classified Haunted Heart content. Yes, and announcements, because we announce things to Patreon before we um, announce them to the public. And also the Facebook group. Patreon gets news first. And trust me, when I tell you, I can't tell you exactly what's going on, but we got news. We and got it's, news. It's coming. There's we got, news. We got several pieces of news, actually. I, I got a little bit of news, yeah. That are going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks on the Patreon first. Um, so you definitely want to be there so that you can mm -hmm. get that It's going to be info. like the news that you used to get when you were scrolling through the TV guide. And that popped up on the little corner there. That's what it is. Little Wait, TV what? Screen. When like you when you get a notification? Through? No. You remember the old TV guide? Like used to scroll on the on yeah. the TV. Yeah. And then it would have a little screen at the top and it would play yes. like movie trailers. And yeah. Like, yeah. And like that's, infomercials. Yeah. And like infomercials. And like and ShamWow. Yeah. That's, okay. yeah, that's what we... Um, that's what you watched when you couldn't pay for cable. You just exactly. fucking watched the TV guy. <laughs> and there goes Channel 85 again. 
you just watch all them channels that you can't fucking get because you broke. Yep. Anyway. So speaking of fucking <laughs> Patreon, uh, we have another invocation. We do. Whoa. I'm so excited. I love doing invocations. I love sending goodwill to people. I love it's the way good. you you enunciated invocations. Invocation. 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 Yes. So this week we are welcoming a very special new member of our cannibal cult. His name is Chris C. So I have a dressed candle here. We have dressed it with good intentions. Health, happiness, wealth, all good things. I will light it and it will sit right in the middle between us. You'll be sandwiched right in between me and Kenny. And as always, the candle will be lit. Uh... Definitely for the episode, but always and forever in our dark, twisted, black, soulless hearts. Yes. So thank you, Chris, for joining. Uh, We're excited to share all of this extra content with you. We are. We are excited for that. And we are excited to have you be part of our family. Because we are a family. Yes, we are. These people are wondering what the fuck we're talking about today. They are. So listen, we talked a little bit at the top of the episode about Thanksgiving. We did. We talked about family. Families coming together. And I don't know about y'all, but, you know, sometimes you get some angsty people together, some angsty kids that get together for your... uh, Thanksgiving uh, dinner. Were you ever one of the, I feel like you were. Were I, you the angsty teen mm, at Thanksgiving dinner? No, because I fucking love food. Like, I was straight up goth AF in high school, um, and I lived that punk life pretty hard. Um, and I had the chain pants. I had the fucking Hot Topic, like, long ass. You remember them pants. I remember. And they had, like, plaid lace in them, and they fit, like, real tight, like, in the ass and the thighs, but then they, like, fucking ballooned out into into the worst bell bottoms. The worst. It's like if I I saran wrapped my body from, like, the low... They were low-rise, too, which is not a good choice for me. Um, (laughs) It was different then, but... Not that different. Um, it was like if I saran wrapped myself from like the low waist to the knee. And then from the knee down, we just took like fucking reams of fabric and just attached it there and just let it just let it go. And then we wrapped some chains in that. And then we sewed like some plaid, like shoelace fucking things in there. You remember that? Yeah, I remember. Like the stitching on it was like p- literally shoelaces. It was literal shoelaces. Um, and that my, was me. My that favorite was thing me. that you wore. And I paired it like, with an Orange County chopper shirt. <laughs> it was red and it was like the fans. It had a sick ass looking bike on the front of it. And it was like. My favorite thing that you used to wear were the gloves. Oh yeah. The lace gloves. The little lace gloves. hundred percent. hundred percent would still wear those. If you listen to this show. <laughs> Fucking send me those lace gloves from Hot Topic circa 2002. If you would like to help out a poor guy, (laughs) 
We have a I P.O. box that up. you can send it we to. We do. Bitch, P.O. Box 6047, Leesburg, Virginia, zip code 20178. Send it on. Send me all the lace gloves. I will fucking wear them for you all the time. Yeah. I'll fuck them up. No, I was definitely... Uh, I was the one who I could feel not like be you bothered. Were more, like, I feel like I was more outwardly like struggling <laughs> from a fashion perspective. Like I was outwardly angsty, but I feel like you had that inner angst. No, I was literally... The sleep is all angst. Yeah. No, I was like not into it. I was like done. I'm over this. I was the kid in all black. Yeah. Uh with the the chain the wallet with the chain oh yeah you had that wallet with the chain the wallet with yep. the chain I and that. i was in all black and just sitting in the corner just like watching everybody trying to be a death theater man i i mean i was i really <laughs> i mean i really was and i just was not about it until time for food yes. and then i like yes. grumpily right. like right. got up and, and that then is my where grandma we are similar. was like she was like she would always fix my food. She's like, so what do you want? And I'm just like, just a little bit of everything. <laughs> a little bit of all of it. I ain't going to say no to none of it. She's Honestly, like, I'll fuck it up, Grandma. Some, but then she's like, do you want some cornbread? And I'm like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> Insulted. No. Nah, I'll fuck it all up. I, I want all of it. Unless it's ham. Unless it's ham or pork, baby. I can't do it. I can't do the piggies. But I can. But you can. Yeah, you can You can go for it. But No, I was. I definitely looked like one of those teens who kill. Which is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I was just so taken with your expression. <laughs> no, which is interestingly that you bring it up, Kenneth. Is that the subject of our podcast episode today, Katie? It is. And I'm Fuck. telling you. Oh my God. I just did not now. even realize that. Right. Shit. God, not that like was you've so been smooth. researching. I mean. Or doing any sort of work at all. <laughs> no. So this is uh yes, so we are talking about teens who kill today. Interestingly, murder is the second leading cause of death among American teenagers after car accidents. The teen murder rate uh, in America is 10 times that of Western Europe and 70 times Japan's. The majority of teen murderers know their victims. 27% are family members and 48% are friends or acquaintances. And about 80% of the time, the teen killer uses a gun. And 75% of the time, the murderer is about gang violence. And girls account for about 10% of teen murders, and their victim is usually a parent, mm -hmm. a boyfriend, mm -hmm. or their own child. Mm. I mean, I feel like that's a lot of, uh, like, a lot of murderers, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Usually you kill somebody that's close to you, like your fellow podcast co-host. Ah. <clears throat> No, I'd never kill you. Who the fuck else would put up with my fucking... I don't fucking know. Ass. Shit, no. I barely do. <laughs> it's true. Uh, no. Um, 
But yes, it's true. So a lot of the teen murder cases, as we were doing research for this episode, we knew that we wanted to kind of do a teens who kill episode. Uh, and when we were researching for it, it was like story after story after story of of teen, you know, murder's mom because she told him to clean his fucking room. And so I think it was actually just a couple of days ago, this guy, I don't know a lot of the details of the case, but apparently his grandma told him to clean his room. So he, like, murdered his grandma and then, like, killed himself because he didn't want to fucking clean his room, I guess. So, all right. I don't know all the details, but it's aggressive. Yes. But there's a lot of stories like that where it's like, oh, you know, mom wouldn't let me do this one thing. There's actually a fascinating story that I couldn't couldn't figure out... um, I didn't necessarily want to cover it as my story for this episode, but this guy, Sword and Scale did an episode on it once. Um, This guy murdered his mother, I believe it was, and then, because she wouldn't let him have friends over or have a party or something, so he legit murdered her and then had a fucking party. And all these people came over, and they progressively got drunker and drunker, like, throughout the night. And then he started fucking talking about how he murdered her. And then eventually, like, he ends up, like, taking selfies, like, with her dead body and, like, his friends. And then, like, through the drunken haze, like, some of the friends are like, wait, no, actually, though, like, that is a dead person. And then they were just like, fuck. Dude, I am so fucking stoned right right now. Like, can you imagine coming out of an alcohol-induced haze? Like, you're there. You're, like, going way too hard in the paint. Whatever you have to do tomorrow, it doesn't matter if you had plans because now you are here and you don't have any plans for tomorrow. Even if you had shit that you had to do, it ain't getting done, baby. No. You're not getting there Um, because you are riding the train. And it has left the station and it ain't coming back anytime soon. But you're, like, in the middle of that fucking crazed, like otherworldly state and then you like come out of it slightly only to realize that you are like literally there's a dead body in the room (laughs) Uh, and you're just like fuck (laughs) and like everybody's acting totally normal like it's a party and you're just like huh Mm." uh hey is that a is that that someone dead on a couch over there (laughs) girl do I need to is you with us? Like, what Hello? do you think you would do? <laughs> like, I feel like I would probably, like, stumble. Drunk Caitlin would probably stumble over that way. Girl. It'd take a minute. And then I'd probably just try to, like, jostle her. You know what I mean? Like. You'd smell her. Hey, girl. Are you. Girl? Baby. Babe. Baby. That would be. Baby. 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 And then I'd probably lose my shit when I realized she was not with us anymore. See, I feel like you wouldn't even, you would be so tore the fuck up, you would not even realize what the fuck is going on. I don't know, though, because I could come out of, I, I feel like I would just, I would, I would not, it, it would not be subtle because I would be very intoxicated, but I would think that it would be subtle. I would like subtly sneak off to the bathroom to call 911. But in reality, I'm like, Kenny, can he get my phone? Can he get my phone? Can he get my phone? We this bitch is dead. We got to call 911. I'm, tr- I'm, I'm trying to go to the bathroom to call 911. See, me. Be- I would I would not believe it at first. Yeah. I'd be the one No. 
She ain't fucking, no, she ain't fucking dead. Us having a conversation over the corpse. She ain't fucking dead. She's just fucking drunk. Katie, damn. It's at a, we're at a fucking party. I'm steadily jostling. Just kill somebody. It's just like totally limp. No. <laughs> Girl. Katie, it's fine. Come on. <laughs> Katie. Kate, okay. Oh, no. That's she. Her head fell off. Uh huh. <laughs> Katie, it's time to go. <laughs> we should just leave. We're not going to the bathroom, Katie. No. We're just going to go. She <laughs> comes go. out. Hey, where are you guys going? Just going out for a smoke. <laughs> yeah. Just go out for a smoke, you we know. Ju- we took it up. We saw that you weren't like. We just took we up smoking. You were out of, we saw that you were out of beer. Cut scene to like a fucking full fucking <laughs> three kegs over there. So we're going to go get some more. You just got a uh, beer run. Yeah. Beer run. Ice. Ice Bye. beer. Beer ice. Yeah. No, that was a crazy story. Um, Sword and Scale did a really good episode on it. So you can you can listen to the exact details there of like the levels of psychopathy and sociopathy that uh, allowed for that to happen. But that guy was fucking scary. Um, But that's not the case that I wanted to cover. I wanted to talk about another case. Another case. Did you did you hear the way that I tried to say the word talk without the letter T? Talk. I was going to let it go, but I, I think I said I wanted to caulk about. I want to caulk about this other case. <laughs> I'm going to caulk about it. I'm going to caulk a case. Caulk a case. Fix it right on up. <laughs> Waterproof that bitch. All right. I am ready. It's a caulking joke for you. I for am. the plumbers in, their, in our listening audience. Okay. <laughs> All, right. All right. So, this is the case of Christine Paulilla. Now, it's spelled with a double L, and you think it might Pal. be a Y, right? Because, of course, in Spanish, we know, if we took Spanish, we know that the double L is often pronounced Y. Yeah. But I looked it up for y'all because I wanted to get it right. Because the last time I had a double L, I wasn't sure. And I was nervous the whole time that I was saying it wrong. Yeah, she was nervous the last time she had that double L. So I know that this bitch's <laughs> name... Is Christine Paulilla. And now we're going to talk about her. So our story starts with Christine as a small child. As most people begin. Christine was born. Yeah, so Christine is, um, she as a small child, she had a really, really, really difficult childhood. And I'm talking like it started from the age of two. Her dad died uh, during a construction accident when she was two years old, and her grandparents died shortly thereafter. So Christine's mother was left feeling, as I'd imagine, totally abandoned. You know, her husband's died, and then her parents have died. And she, unfortunately, um, struggles with addiction from that point forward mm. pretty pretty heavily. And the way that we can tell that things were quite difficult on Christine is as a young child, she developed alopecia. Now, alopecia, if you haven't heard of it, is a disease. It's more, it's actually a medical condition. It's not officially a disease. But it's a medical condition in which you lose hair. Yeah. Uh, it can be hair anywhere on your body, but most um, noticeably, it's hair on your head, right, and eyebrows. Yeah. 
So, and that can come and go too, I believe. It can. It can come yeah. and go, and that's because the main uh, cause of alopecia is stress. Yeah. So, from a very young age, we see Christine struggling with alopecia that most of the time is brought on by stress, and that was stress that was no doubt caused by the loss that she suffered, but also by her mother's drug addiction and issues. Um, so, they said that her hair, eyebrows, and eyelashes all fell out, and that she wore wigs to appear normal and baby honey these wigs <laughs> were they thirsty it was not donna love hair oh it was not baby they it were was thirsty. it was rough it they was were rough. thirsty it was truly rough it was no wigs by grace honey. yes and this is um this is like the 80s so we're thinking like 80s wigs <sighs> right okay Ooh. yeah it, it ain't good um so actually, so late 80s, early 90s. So that was kind of her early childhood. And through elementary school and middle school, she was really, really bullied pretty heavily. Um, she This is before all of that, like, no bullying shit happened in schools, which is really good. I'm not calling it shit because I disagree. I think the no bullying thing is really cool. But it was before we really realized that if you fucking make a child's life living hell... Uh, they will grow up to fucking destroy everything. For real. So she was pretty heavily uh, picked on because, of course, we know that kids are are evil. Heartless, cruel <laughs> bastards. Sorry. They are. They can be. Sorry. They fucking can be. They're also good kids. But Horrible monsters. Yeah. I mean, it's fucking Demon hard. seeds from hell. Sorry. <laughs> no. <laughs> that is not an official Haunted heart stance on children. No. We... I just feel like if you're okay, if you're a tiny creature and in the span of like 10 years, you go. So from you do being, agree. They are creatures. If you're a tiny creature and you go from being like the fucking size of a raisin to being like a human being in the span of like 15 years of like a full fledged adult body. I feel like there's a lot of shit going on with you that can kind of, you know, you under a little bit of stress. You grow in a lot. Mm-hmm. You know, you kind of you kind of mean. Yeah. Because there's a lot of stuff mean. happening. You're dealing with a lot. you got hormones and shit. You don't know what's happening to you. Uh, but her mother, Christine's mother, was quoted as saying that the bullying that Christine received was, quote, devastating. Um, they said that she was psychologically scarred uh, during those years of bullying and isolation and that they had kind of, those years had kind of warped her view of social interaction. Yeah. So when Christine gets to high school, I know you guys kind of think that we're heading down this path and that I'm about to tell you a story of like Columbine um, level rage. That's not where we're headed. Christine gets to high school and then life sort of takes a turn for her. She meets two really good friends. Their names are Tiffany Rowell and Rachel Colorudos. So Rachel and Tiffany befriend Christine and they were kind of popular girls. They were more well-liked among the school. And they kind of saw something in Christine, I think. I, I don't want to phrase it as that they pitied her, because I don't think that's what it was. But they knew that she had had a rough-ass time. And that nobody had really kind of taken genuine interest in her and invested in her. Okay. So, so- Yeah. I was going for like I was I'm getting kind of like a mean girls vibe like oh so you think you're really pretty and uh, it's like 
No. Sort of, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, I think it's, they just kind of saw what nobody else had up until that point recognized about Christine is that since this kid was two, like, she had a bunch of shit to deal with. Yeah, she's like, going through some she's things. Ex- like, suffered she's incredible fucking... loss and stress. Yeah. 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 So I think they kind of saw that and connected with her on that level. So if you've seen the musical Wicked, imagine popular. It's kind of like that. So they they meet Christine, they like Christine, and they genuinely, you know, kind of um, teach her, in a sense, how to be cool. How to be a cool kid. And they were a year older, so they were like the older girls. They were cool. How you to be cool? How to be cool? How you're cool? You didn't want to know how you how to be cool? Subscribe. Subscribe. What happened? I'm sorry. So you're legally barred from telling people how to be cool. You're not allowed. No, I was going to tell you, if you want to be cool, join our fucking Facebook group. True. Or Patreon. Yeah. Uh, Patreon.com slash <laughs> Heart. Or, or follow us on Instagram. That's how you be cool. True. Or all those things. Then you're super cool. Yeah. No. So Christine, for the first time, has found a place where she truly belongs. She. It was said that she was comfortable enough around Tiffany and Rachel that she would like not wear a wig around them if they were just hanging around at the house or whatever. Like she felt comfortable enough to take her wig off, which was a huge gesture. Um, they in return gave her a total makeover, uh, including a new wig. Honey, it looked a lot better. (laughs) They got her a lace front. Okay. Better makeup and a different wardrobe. All right. By senior year, this is, this is dumb, but it's like a point of the case that you'll hear reported everywhere. By senior year, fellow high school students voted Christine Miss Irresistible. <laughs> okay, so I'm not laughing at the situation. I'm just laughing at the fucking Why title. Why is that a superlative? Like, ours was, like, most likely to succeed. I didn't get any Creative. fucking superlatives, I think bitch. I, I think I got most unique. <laughs> yes. Most likely to be a raging bitch. <laughs> and then um, I got most unique. Um, so did my um, bipolar ex. Um, <laughs> rotten hell. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but no, um, I don't know why Miss Irresistible would be. I missed that on our ballot when we were in Miss high school. Miss Irresistible. I would have been gunning for that Sounds one. Sounds like a really cute, like, uh, screen name. Miss Irresistible. Miss Irresistible. But like with a Z, Ms. like M Z, M Z underscore irresistible tilde, coloring tilde asterisk tilde. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the aim screen name. <laughs> yes. So for once in Christine's life, things are going well, right? Now I'm She's getting Ms. a Carrie moment, though. <laughs> yeah, it's a, mm. now I'm getting a Carrie moment. I'm a little concerned. So things are going really well for her as she gets more popular. Um, she starts she makes a, a decision um to start recreationally using drugs oh okay because tiffany and rachel were kind of sort of uh recreationally casually into that whole scene and so christine kind of follows suit and uh gets involved with that in 2003 she becomes romantically involved with an older man uh 21 year old chris snyder Okay. At this point, Christine is, I think, 
like 15. Ooh. Yeah. So in 2003, she becomes romantically involved with this uh, Chris Snyder boy. And her mother expressed a dislike for this guy who had a pre-existing record. um, And outsiders commented that the relationship was toxic. And, uh, And also the fact that she was a minor. Yeah, she right? was, she was like, also a minor. Yeah. And mean, he was, what, 23? Why. Yeah. He was definitely, she was definitely not uh, older than 18. Yeah, I'm okay. pretty sure she was like 15. Cool. And he was 21, so it was definitely statutory. Quick math for you. Yeah. Uh, that equals statutory. <laughs> 15 uh, plus 21 equals statutory. Anything less than 18 plus 21. Um so Christine, however, the relationship, unlike maybe what you might be thinking, that he was like beating up on her or whatever, Christine was said to be just as jealous and abusive of him. So if he looked at another girl, she would pull a classic move that I like to employ myself with all my male suitors. If Chris ever looked at another girl, Christine would walk right up to him and lick his face in public. <laughs> As if to claim him. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean. No, that is some nasty shit. I don't know what you've been fucking walking around all day. You could have been fucking out in. Do you care at that point? I do. I do. I'm going to lick her face so she knows (laughs) to stay away. (laughs) So she knows I'm crazy. No, you can't be doing that shit now. It's it's 2018. Uh-uh. People are into it. Yeah, for real. <laughs> you can't fuck with that. Um, that's an invitation, baby, <laughs> to some weird-ass party that you don't want to go to. If you're not going to be committed to it, don't do it. It's true. So Christine's family disapproved of Chris, um, but Chris's family referred to Christine as the psycho. Together, the pair abused drugs and frequently engaged in heated public quarrels, a relationship for the record books, folks. Oh. Match me. Where are they from? Uh, this is in, that's a good question. I'm pretty sure it's in Indiana. Cool. Let me fucking, no, Texas. <laughs> Houston, actually. Oh, my God, that's should, so funny. I should have said that at the beginning of the story. That's actually funny. Yes. Because that's... that's my case is in Houston. Really? Yes. Fuck you, Texas. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right, Texas listeners. Hope you're paying attention. Texas teens who kill. <laughs> God damn it. We should have made it more specific. All right. So, so Christine's family doesn't like uh, Chris. Chris's family doesn't like Christine. But Tiffany and Rachel also don't like Chris. And they told Christine that they didn't like him. Um, reportedly Chris had scared Christine's mother and her friends and they had all suggested that he, that she stopped seeing him. And this made Chris really, really mad. He wanted to isolate her from her family and friends, as we often see in cases of abusers. But Christine, for all intents and purposes, all reports that we've heard, kind of wanted to do the same thing to Chris. They were kind of like feeding into each this other's. This weird like, sort of like codependency yeah, type thing. Like yeah. weird fucked up story. Yeah. Um, So, we're all hanging out. Um, We're engaging in drugs recreationally. And I I think that for most kids, I mean, y'all know. I've told y'all my fucking history. I'm a fucking nerd. I don't know shit about drugs. Um, 
But I feel like for most people who kind of dabble in that, because all, basically all of my friends dabbled in that stuff, like in high school and certainly in college. And I feel like most kids who like get into that kind of do it casually, recreationally. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a huge, like it's not a fucking crazy, like Nancy Reagan, panties in a bunch, war on drugs shit. Right. Like most people just smoke like a little weed and it's fine, right? Or even, like, kids that I knew, and I feel like this is way more, like, this is in a different category than weed, but, like, I knew kids that, like, did cocaine, like, casually, and they weren't addicted to cocaine. They just did cocaine But they would just casually? do a little Coke, a and little it was fine. A little casual Coke? <laughs> yeah, like, for them, Coke was a casual drug. No, just a little bit. I am not condoning that. it. I am so... I have an addictive personality, so if we give me, like, a little bit of Coke... Um, I'm going to fucking do a fucking tailspin in my life and lose everything I have, which isn't much, but I'm going to lose Christmas. No, no, not at all. You just open up the box and it just explodes in your face. No, not good. I stay the fuck away from that shit because I know that I have an addictive personality and it would fuck me. I'm so damn, but I recognize that. that other people don't. Well, I'm so damn afraid of that because, and I don't know if it's just like a, a weird, like fear tactic or type thing or whatever you want to call it. But like, I heard that you can like, even your first time trying that you can die. Yes. Yeah. You certainly can. And if I'm you, like, it, I'm like knowing lot. me, that would be. <laughs> you just fucking immediately just dead. fucking immediately dead. You come up from storing a line of and coke listen, and you no, just fall over. And listen, I, I come from a household of drug users. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I really do. Uh, uh, mostly pot, but other. But things like the as casual, well. the the whole like. No, they sold it. Well, yeah, but I mean, like. <laughs> no, they were dealers. Look, we can't tell too much. We about to get people in trouble. I'm not saying who. But no, I'm just saying, like, I think that for Tiffany and Rachel, their use of drugs was much more like a party scene type of casual like I'm gonna do these drugs in my like late teens and early 20s and then I'm gonna be a mother by 30 and everything's fine like you know it's gonna do some casual coke at 26 and then have no, kids which, at 29 which is fine like I know people who d- I know people who are really fucking cool like I have girlfriends who are really cool who literally did that and that is awesome and I mean I'm not condoning <laughs> it's fucking recreational awesome. drug use but I'm just saying like it's like that's your path listen baby. Coke makes me a better mother. <laughs> Maybe don't do it like while you are a mom. But but I think for Tiffany and Rachel it was much more that type of like their interest in drugs was like dependent on them being at a party or them being around people who were, you know, doing drugs together and and it wasn't the drugs, it was like the party scene. Does yeah. that make sense? Yeah, 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 yeah. For Christine and for Chris, it was the drugs. Yeah. Period. And they would do drugs at parties. They would do drugs not at parties. They would wake up in the middle of the night to do drugs. They would not go to sleep to do drugs. So it became like they were a lot more into that than I think Tiffany and Rachel were. So coupled with that, certain elements of Chris's personality start to come out in their relationship. Um, one of which is his love of violent movies. Oh, well, right. (laughs) Which we can probably relate to as members of this. I'm just saying haunted heart fam. Okay. Chris, 
but I Chris, can relate. But Chris was very into violent films, and Chris had violent fantasies that he began to open up and talk to Christine about, um, one of which uh, was killing someone. There was one occasion where Chris opened up to Christine and asked her if she ever thought about what it would be like to kill someone. And she was probably like, I don't know. I mean. What do you think it would be like? No. So um, on another occasion, he asked if she would ever be interested in, like, owning a gun. And if he got a gun for her, like, would that be something that she would be interested in? So it's very clear to see how in the course of this relationship we're, like, sort of very quickly moving towards. I mean, they, they only started dating in 2003. I think it was early 2003. By July of 2003, we're in a dark place. All right. So this is where it gets a little rough. So Christine and Chris, on July 18th of 2003, uh, entered Tiffany Rowell's home. Now, Tiffany lived by herself. Uh, She was finishing up um, high school. And she was in some sort of situation where she was living by herself. I wasn't able to get the details on why, but apparently she had this big house all to herself and they would frequently hang out there. All the friends would, and they would have parties and shit and there were known to be drugs in the home. And I think that they were kind of dabbling in selling drugs. Uh, She and her boyfriend were sort of dabbling in that type of thing. Chris and Christine enter the house. And of course, since they're friends, of Tiffany and Rachel. Um, Rachel's also there. And their boyfriends are there. And it's not, like, weird. It would be like if I came into your house, right? Because we're friends and I'm over here all the fucking time anyway. Right, yeah. It's not a thing. I mean, it's no, no big deal. Right. However, it quickly became a big deal when Chris and Christine repeatedly shot and executed Tiffany, Rachel, Marcus Ray Priscilla, um, who was Tiffany's 19-year-old boyfriend, and Adelbert Nicholas Sanchez, uh, who was Tiffany's boyfriend's cousin, who was 21. Mm, okay. Christine later said that she and Chris went to the house to get drugs and money, and that the shooting happened unexpectedly. Um, their story was kind of like that they went to get drugs, and they showed up, um, and... Christine demanded drugs of Tiffany, and um, she actually took Rachel and had Rachel like lead her through the house to supposedly give her the drugs. And Christine claimed that Chris uh, was wielding the gun, and Chris shot all of them, and then physically coerced Christine into shooting with his oh. hand over her hand. Okay. So, coroner reports, however, contradicted that story. Two guns were shot simultaneously, which means he couldn't have been holding a gun at you and forcing you to shoot because they were shot simultaneously. Yeah. Reports also maintain that the victims died of gunshot wounds or blunt force trauma. That'll become important later. Um, Christine. uh, So Chris and Christine do this Um, later. Rachel and Tiffany um, and the boys bodies are discovered by a friend, a mutual friend. Her name's Brittany. And she had called the house repeatedly with no answer. So she and two other friends showed up to the house and discovered the bodies. This goes unsolved for three years. Holy hell. Yes. How? Huge, huge, huge sort of anomaly in this case is that there's a three-year gap um, between when 
you know, the murder happens and when the case is solved. Very unusual for a teen murder case. Usually in teen murders, it is violent. It is like um, not logical. It is totally like from a place of complete rage and it's messy and it's sloppy and it's easy to solve. Basically. Um, a lot of investors will tell you a lot of the cases that I looked into potentially covering, uh, the investigators who work on those cases will tell you that it's a lot easier to solve teen murders because they're so inexperienced, right? Right. You're not dealing with a Ted Bundy. You're not dealing with a criminal mastermind. You're dealing with a fucking teen. <laughs> Let's be honest. Dealing with a teen. So following the attack, uh, the attack happened around 3.25 p.m. Before 4 p.m., Christine clocked in at her job at the local Walgreens. Oh. Less than 30 minutes later. Wow. And she worked her shift. And nobody apparently noticed that anything was wrong. Christine, you all right there? No. Apparently nobody noticed that anything was, like, horribly wrong. She didn't attend the funerals due to depression, however... And in 2004, she went into therapy for her addiction. Around the same time, authorities sent Chris to jail for unrelated charges, so he was already in jail, and their relationship ended at that point. Okay. So, three years go by. There was little evidence at the scene. Um, there was no known motive. The cops thought for a while that maybe it was related to the like small-time drug dealing that they had been doing. Um, but honestly, like they weren't really moving that but it wasn't like this was a drug fucking enterprise that they had. Again, casual drug use. They might have, like, done a little bit of dealing, but it wasn't anything on the level that a gang would target you for or anything right. like that. Yeah. But the police are kind of connecting it, trying, trying to work that angle, and it's just not happening for them. A local witness had claimed to see two people walking away from the Roswell home, or from, the, from Tiffany's home, um, but authorities didn't have any suspects. So the neighbor that had spotted two people walking away helped with a police sketch, but the female suspect, who she was actually able to identify as female, had a bandana on. And so that kind of took a lot of the noticeable features that you would see away. Right. Right. So it was a little nondescript. So Texas authorities put the police sketches on billboards and on TV and in July of 2006, they received an anonymous tip. The tipster, uh, sorry, tipster. that was weird. The tipster. I am the tipster here for your daily tip. Just the tip. Just the tip. So the tipster, <laughs> <laughs> the tipster, that's what he said when he called. Now, the tipster confessed, the tipster said that Christine had confessed to him while they were in therapy together, and police used the information and tracked Christine to a hotel room in San Antonio. So, in the three years between the murders and July of 2006, almost exactly three years, Christine had several changes in her life, right? She had gone to therapy, right, and tried to get clean. Um, spoiler alert, it didn't take... But she'd also gotten married. Oh. So Christine had married uh, her husband, whose name was Stanley Justin Rott. R-O-T-T. Rott? Yes. She met Stanley in her drug treatment therapy um, center place that she had checked into in 2004. The two fell in love there, and after they completed their treatment, they vowed to start a new life without drugs. 
Uh, Christine's father had left her a $360,000 trust fund when he died. Holy When fuck. she was age two. And the newlyweds bought a condo together. Uh, Christine's family didn't initially approve of the couple because he had a history of leeching off women. Um, again, I think that Stanley was also older than her. So I see a pattern. Okay. Um, definite pattern. I'm not judging you, though, girl. Because, you know, I'm not judging you. <laughs> Let she who is without sin be the first to throw stones. Is that how that goes? Yes. 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 <laughs> so, but there's clearly a pattern here. So Stanley later said that, you know, during their, obviously they had all these, like, beautiful dreams for their marriage and whatever. They relapsed, as often, unfortunately, happens when... Um, when former addicts meet in a situation like treatment and they tie their treatment and their recovery to that other person. Yeah. And that gets tied in with the marriage. I'm not saying, look, if you met your spouse at a treatment facility and you guys have been happy for years and years and years and it's beautiful, I'm very happy for you. God bless you. But a lot of times people who meet in that sort of condition and whose love story gets tied up with their um, addiction story have a much harder time of it in yeah. marriage. So they relapse very sadly. Um, and Stanley says that in the time that he was with Christine, she showed some very clear, um, mental issues. He said that she would go in the bathroom and she would stare at herself in the mirror and she would just scream. <laughs> I mean, Listen. Are you no, relating? No, no judgment. Yeah. Can relate. Yeah. So apparently she um, she had some issues surrounding that. I think that a lot of her relapse issues had to do with guilt. Um, she very clearly had um, a lot of of guilt for what had happened. Right? Okay. Yeah. Not saying that excuses her. I'm just saying that she wasn't, you know, she wasn't one of these killers who kills and, like, never has any issues with it. She clearly was fucking struggling. So um, one night after they, I guess they had been watching some kind of program. I guess they were getting them some ID, some investigation discovery up on that. Um, enjoying one of my favorite pastimes. Uh, there was actually a feature that was on that crime that had happened. Um, and they showed a police sketch, the police sketch that the witness had provided them with. And Chris, that was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back with Christine. And she immediately confessed to her husband. Um, and he says that he didn't believe her initially. Says so me. He's like, no, the fuck you didn't. She comes out with this crazy fucking story that this shit happened. And he's like, what? And they're probably high at the time, right? So he's like, what? what? Yeah. So she kind of cracks um, under pressure, confesses everything to him. And then after that, she gets like really paranoid and fearful that the police would recognize her. So they, that condo that they bought, um, they left that completely behind. And they fled to a small hotel room in San Antonio. And when they get to this hotel room, it's like the final act in this like magnum opus of a disaster of a life that Christine has had. Um, yeah, it's dark. 
they, they basically hole up in this hotel room and she doesn't leave the hotel room for nine months. The hotel room was absolutely disgusting. When the, um, when the police got the tip from that, um, guy, that random guy at the treatment center, um, and they actually went into the hotel room to get her, like to arrest her. They said that they had been to murder scenes that were less disgusting than oh, that hotel room. Oh, shit. They said this was also featured. Um, so there was an episode of Deadly Women that was on this case that was really good. And there's also an episode of Forensic Files. I think it's the last episode of season one that is about this case. And I remember one of the details in Forensic Files, the thing that sticks out to me about this crime when they went into that room to arrest them, there were um, heroin needles just lined up on the dresser. And one of the quotes from the Deadly Women episode is that the heroin needles were lined up like little soldiers ready to do their part to erase her memory. she left some heroin on the dresser. For fucking sure she did. Don't do (laughs) that. Not the coin. You can't do that. But the forensics files, the detail that was in the forensic files episode, they said that there were like, that there were fine blood spray. There was fine blood spray all over the walls of the hotel room from where they'd been injecting. Ooh, no. Fucking the stuff of nightmares. Because they'd just been holed up in that room for like nine months, just eating like junk. They were living on junk food and heroin. Ugh, baby. Yes, yes. Um, so you might be asking who the anonymous caller was that was somehow related to this case. Was it you? It was Christine's husband, Stanley Rott. Oh, shit. When Christine confessed to him. That double-crossing motherfucker. When Christine confessed to him initially, um, he didn't think it was real. And then as the months went on and as he kind of saw the guilt manifesting in her in more and more like crazy ways. Um, he eventually was convinced that it was real and he called a crime stopper tip line and anonymously reported her. But nine months though. Yeah. Some places say seven months, but the specials that are like thoroughly resourced, researched, researched, resourced, thoroughly resourced. No. Um, the specials that, like the TV specials and stuff say nine months. And I know that they're at like actually experts behind that. Seven to nine months. Seven to nine months, you know. Seven to nine months. In the window. So she was arrested. He's like, damn, maybe after her 375th heroin needle. Yeah. Maybe she fucking did it. Yeah. Maybe she called the fucking crime. I mean, that's kind of what he says in his interviews that it just became more and more disturbing. He ended up uh, testifying against her at trial. Um, And so she, she was arrested on July 19th. 2006, almost exactly three years after the crime. And one of the details, the thing that supposedly haunted Christine, the thing that caused her arguably the most misery over the whole thing, the most guilt, um, when she and Chris had entered the home and they shot up the place, right, there was one detail um, that we didn't talk about. Chris and Christine had shot everybody. Yeah. They left the house. Christine had to come back into the house 
because she kept telling Chris that you can't rob your friends because they can identify you. Christine, being paranoid, came back into the house to make sure everyone was dead. Rachel was not dead. She had been shot in the back and then the uh, legs, but she was actually still alive, and she had crawled across the room to get to the phone to call 911. When Christine came back, she found Rachel attempting to call 911. Oh, fuck. She pulled a gun on her again, pulled the trigger, point blank, no bullets. So Christine then proceeded to pistol whip Rachel oh. with the butt of her 38 until she died. Mm-hmm. And then 30 minutes later, she went to Walgreens. To work a and shift. And clocked in at the Walgreens. Hello, ma'am. Welcome yes. to the Walgreens. Yes. So um, just a thought for you to think about next time you go to Walgreens. Be well. <laughs> be good. Fuck, that's, just be thinking about that like anywhere you go. Shit. Yes. Yeah. Um, her husband said that that was the detail. Especially if you're going into retail. Her husband said that the Walgreens, that the fact that she was able to do that and then immediately go to work right after, that that was the detail that weighed on him so heavily that then caused him to uh, to call her in. Um, well, I mean, if you think about it, like if you can do that to f- people like your friends, people mm-hmm. that, you know, sort of took you in in a sense is what I'm, you know, is what we gathered from them, mm-hmm. uh, befriended her when nobody else would. Like if you're able to do that. Like, excuse you, you can, I'd be fucking calling Crime Stoppers too, bitch. Yeah. Fuck you. Yeah. I don't trust you. Yeah. And that's exactly what they said, actually, on Deadly Women, um, that if she was capable of doing that to her friends, she could do, she could kill anybody. Yeah, you could do that to anybody. Um, and that she's very, very, very dangerous as a result. So uh, she went to jail. She's not eligible for parole until 2046. Um Again, her husband testified against her at trial. And you might be wondering, the missing thread, uh, what happened to Chris, right? Because Christine didn't do this alone. Yeah. Chris got word somehow, who the fuck knows how, Chris got word that Christine had been arrested. And somebody told him that the police were looking for him. So Chris bought some soda and took his pill collection his whole pill collection went on into the woods and OD'd on pills and died. So he killed himself. And you might be tempted to say, oh, well, that means he's sorry for what he did. But of course, as we all know, no. it's the ultimate selfish act. It's the ultimate in sociopath behavior that he's, you know, going to go out on his own terms instead of facing what he fucking did. Yeah. It's bullshit. In, all right, so in context, yes. <laughs> this is bullshit. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's bullshit. bullshit. Yes. For his situation, yes. Yes. Um. Yeah, no. Because he's a fucking asshole. No, because he just didn't want to fucking... Yes. He didn't want to. I'm not to, saying every suicide is that case. I'm saying in his specific case, he's deciding that he wants to like not give any closure to any fucking body and just like ride the purple rainbow train out of here, like a fucking dick. Yeah. No. 
I hope he shit himself. (laughs) Oh, my God. Katie. (laughs) You know, they say that we all shit ourselves when we die. Oh, I I hope hope he extra shit himself. I hope I do. I hope I do. I hope I just fucking explode. (laughs) (laughs) You just explode. (laughs) Just fucking, I hope explosive diarrhea just happens. I hope I have a bodily function where I sit up and throw up green slime, Linda Blair style, all over the place. Jesus. I want want that to happen for me. I'll see what I can do for you. Well, that was interesting. It is. It's a very sad case. I think um, this case resonates with me. It It resonates. Raisinets? Anybody? Anybody? Best movie theater candy. Right. Um, No, this case resonates with me because it's so... It's like the opposite of the teen movie type of like, oh, the pretty popular girls are, you know, shitty to the like weird outsider girl and then she gets even. It's kind of the opposite of that story. The pretty popular girls were actually really sweet to her, cared a great deal for her and helped her. And then she just fucking decimated them in the worst way possible. Yeah. That's fucked up. Yeah. So I have a case. Like I said, Kenny's like speaking of fucked up things. Speaking of fucked up things, um, when I'm t- uh, when I'm going to talk about um, trigger warning <laughs> for everyone, uh, for everything, <laughs> all the triggers, all of the triggers, uh, I'm going to get pretty dark, pretty deep. So here's your warning right now. Um, my case also took place. In Texas. Weird. Houston. Weird. <laughs> Which is Same so town. Weird. What year? Um, in fairly recently, In July actually. of 2003. No. Fuck. The next house over. <laughs> February Damn, of Houston. 2014. Okay. All so right. fairly recent. All right. So when we think of murder in the name of Satan, what first comes to mind? Uh, sacrifice. Right. Do we think we think crazed cult hosting a murderous black mass, uh, scary goths in blood red robes surrounded by pillar candles and satanic uh, symbols? Oh, yeah. Yeah. You would probably think of everything but a couple of teenage kids, at least at first. But that's where my story begins. And unfortunately, this is a very tragic case with gruesome details. So again... Here is your trigger warning for literally anything you can think of. Now, murder in the name of Satan isn't as uncommon as one might think. And for one unfortunate soul, that statement promised to be true. Corianne Cervantes was a teenager like most others. She was 15 years old. She loved music, hanging out with friends, going to parties, and also frequented her local church. But in February of 2014, Corianne decided to go out to a friend's house for a party to hang out, chill, and have a good time. And it was at this party that she met two classmates, 17-year-old Jose Reyes and 16-year-old Victor Alice. They met, talked for a while, and at some point during the evening, the two boys convinced her to follow them to a vacant apartment for consensual sex. Once they arrived at the apartment... Wait, how old is she? She's 15. 
Not a good choice. They are 16 and 17. Okay. Not statutory, but still not a good choice, I'm going to say. No, still not a good choice. But not statutory, importantly. Yeah. Once they arrived at the apartment, they proceeded to engage in their sexual activities. Now, <laughs> thank you, Father Kenny. Like, what kind of weird, like, uncle, like, tone? They engaged in their sexual activities. Well, I'm just saying. I'm not trying to be weird here. I'm talking about a 15 year old, <laughs> 15, 16, and 17 year old. Yeah. yeah, okay. Now, unbeknownst to Corianne, Jose and Victor had a very sinister motive for getting her alone. Jose had made the claim to Victor that he had sold his soul to the devil. This garnered interest from Victor, who wanted to do the same. Because why not, right? Yeah, yeah. Jose told him that in order to seal the deal, a blood sacrifice would have to be made with the devil if he wished to join the ranks. It was at this moment the two decided to carry out a heinous plot where they were to find a beautiful girl and use her for a sacrifice. Now, again, I just want to let me just scoot in real quick with a disclaimer. What? Satanism essentially is humanism. True. Satan doesn't want you to sacrifice a beautiful girl. Satan does want you if you want to and the beautiful girl wants to. He wants you to fuck her. If she wants to be fucked, right? He wants you to engage in beautiful, consensual, hedonistic, nasty, candlelit. Premarital like, sex. Beautiful, like, coming together, right? He, that, he wants that for you. Um, he wants consent. And he wants, like, he, he just doesn't want you to ever kill anything. Like, Satanists don't even, like, kill animals. Like, a lot of Satanists are, like, fucking... Yeah, I mean, that's a disclaimer. Like, These people against, are Yeah, are they're not clearly not real Satanists. Real Satanists. Yes. So no shade to any uh, actual Satanists out there. Or secular humanists. Or secular you know, humans. A.K.A. Yes. The scientific term. But Satanist True. is the cool term. It's True. the fucking metal term. Yes. But actually, it just means believing in your own abilities as a human being and your own intellect instead of blaming... Uh, well, yes, I mean, it's all about yourself. It's yeah. all about the self, and it's about... Uh, preserving oneself and it's about, uh, you know, it's about acting on the desires of your flesh, uh, as long as they don't, you know, hurt others. others. Importantly, importantly, they shouldn't like hurt others. Right. Main, main tenet. Just, uh, just going to underline that about eight times. Yeah. It's like, I mean, what it's do what thou wilt, lest it, unless do what thou wilt unless it harms... No. What's that? I, anyway, whatever. Do what thou wilt, but just don't harm anybody. Yeah. So, now, back to this terrible night. Back to fake Satanists. Yes. The two boys had Corianne alone in an empty apartment. As the teens began to engage in intercourse, Victor started choking her with a belt, which is when things begin to turn for the worse. Now, Corianne was not into this. She began to fight back and bit one of the boys and made an attempt to flee. She was able to get the door open, but unfortunately was pulled back inside the apartment. It was at that point that Jose went into the bathroom 
and came back with the ceramic lid from the tank of the toilet and bludgeoned her while Victor started beating her with an ashtray. At some point, one of the boys grabbed the plastic rod from a set of blinds in the apartment and gouged her eyes out while the other started stabbing her with a screwdriver roughly 60 times. Hmm. After the murder... Did they bring the screwdriver? I think it was just around this vacant apartment. Did they keep screwdrivers in the vacant apartment? It was just around this... So I don't think it was like an empty apartment. It was like... A vacant apartment, if that makes sense. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. That's a thing. Couldn't really find a whole lot as to why this apartment was vacant, but it was. Huh. All right. After the murder. Somewhere there's like a handyman that's like, dang, where's my where's the screwdriver? Okay, we can't do that. <laughs> we can't do I'm just, that. I'm just, trying to, I'm just trying to bring like a little bit of. We can't do that. A little bit of light in. So after the murder, the two boys proceeded to rape her body before carving an upside-down cross into her abdomen. Three days later, a neighbor discovered that the door was ajar and found Corianne's body, which was brutally disfigured and found with, quote, religious artifacts surrounding her. Hmm. Autopsy reports stated that bits of porcelain were found embedded into her face and that she was unrecognizable. They had literally broken the porcelain uh, backing in half when they bludgeoned her. Mm. After the murder, uh, Reyes, uh, Jose, uh, told two people explicit details about what they had done to Corey Ann, and someone reported him to the police. Can you fucking imagine Thankfully. being the person who's just like at 7-Eleven enjoying a nice blue raspberry icy and this fucking dude just rolls up to you and is like, and then and I then blood. I'm and you're just her. like literally sipping on your slushy, like. Uh huh. Right. What the fuck is wrong with you? Well, he said it was a friend of his. Uh, her name was Miranda Leal. And she said that he laughed and smiled when he boasted about uh, the things that he did to Corianne. And she didn't take it seriously because. For her, it just seemed too bizarre yeah. for her to believe. Yeah, I mean, when somebody tells you something like that, it's like kind of like with Christine's husband, where it's just like so fucking out of left field that right. you're just it's like, just, what? It doesn't even okay. register. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you listen to this podcast and then you're just fucking waiting for somebody to say some shit like that I'm to you. I'm just waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. Tell me. Tell me. Tell me something. Did you kill somebody? You killed them, didn't you? Best believe. Fucking Walmart. Bitch, I would be calling fucking somebody Fucking Walmart pharmacist is like, sir, here's your medication. <laughs> you should take it now. <laughs> so once the police arrested Reyes, uh, because if he's been walking around telling people he's fucking killing somebody, you know, that he committed this act, right? Right. Uh, which, you know, if you're not trying to get caught, why would you do that? I don't understand. Yeah. Uh, but again, we're talking about teens here. Yes. And most teens we know are very sloppy. Yes. Uh, so it eventually got back to him. Uh, the police arrested him and he eventually ended up, uh, confessing. Both of them did. Uh, he explained that he was just doing what the devil told him to do and that the devil watched the whole time they were doing it. Later in court, uh, Jose smiled for the cameras, and both uh, 
and both the boys were sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. Mm. Now, I was doing some research on this, and I actually came upon a comment that someone made. uh, And I don't know, I can't substantiate this, if this is true or not, but um, this person that made a comment claimed to know these people. Hmm. And the comment goes, I agree, Victor, well, because what they were trying to say was this was a response to a comment that said that uh, Satanism was just um, something that the police were doing to, like, throw in there. Oh, like the police a, had put Satanism onto it? Yeah. Kind of like a satanic panic thing? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um and this person says that I agree. Victor was my best friend. This was the younger guy, the 16-year-old, mm-hmm. who this initiation was for. Okay. Uh, they said, I agree. Victor was my best friend. He was Catholic, and he went to church. And he never showed me this side of himself. Never. He was a good person. And I knew Corey, too. She was also a great person and friend. What he did was evil, but he is not a Satanist, and I'm sure he's getting his punishment. But if there's a God out there, and he's as merciful as he's known to be, and Victor repents, I hope I have another chance to meet him in an afterlife. But Jose, he's evil. We all knew. You could see it in his eyes. And if there is a hell, he belongs to Satan. Hmm. So, I can't... I'm inclined to believe that, though, because a lot of, like... We'll do an episode on the satanic panic, um, but if you have read any of that stuff or heard anything about that stuff, a lot of the satanic stuff, a lot of the satanism and satanic murders and things like that are trumped up by police. It's it's sort of a thing that people like to lay over brutal crimes to say, like, they're the most reason. evil. Yeah. yeah to I, make it sort of more, like, horror. I agree. I don't think this was the case, though. They did find. Um, several... It sounds like that one kid was pretty into yeah, whatever he, he thought Satan was. He was into it because they found several, um, you know, satanic artifacts or what have you around his home. And I understand right. that that's like, you know, whatever. That doesn't make you a serial killer or a killer in any means. But yeah. um, it just. That they carved an upside down cross into her body. They right. left religious artifacts around her, and even even the younger kid agreed that or admitted that they did this as right. a satanic ritual. Right. So I'm more inclined to believe that this was a sort of influenced by this distorted view of what Satanism is. Yeah. Uh, yes. This filtered of filtered through like this kid is obviously Jose is obviously, you know, fucking insane. And it's sort of like his version of Satanism. And unfortunately a lot of people, cause there are many cases where people do use Satanism as, you know, an excuse, an excuse. Yeah. Yeah. And they, when do, all satanic yeah. rituals just involve, here's the thing, here's the thing, satanic ritual, shitload of rose, uh, shitload of fucking sage, a bunch of other cooking herbs that are probably in your mom's fucking cabinet above the stove. And a lot of really consensual sex. 
Right. And lube. Sex and other That's things. That's a satanic like, ritual. I mean, some chanting, some fucking, but we know what it's about. Probably, Satanism I mean, is about like fucking hot people. There's probably blood involved. I mean, at some maybe point. of some kind, but it's not like there's no satanic ritual that I know of. And I'm not necessarily a fucking high priestess of Satanism, but I'm just saying that there's no, I, I have read an awful lot. <laughs> And there's no satanic ritual that I know of that involves raping a girl and bludgeoning her to death with a fucking toilet seat. No, but I mean, there's probably like, you know, you may slice a finger for a ritual or some blood or something like, you know, you get people who are right who do that. Right. Uh, It's mostly like into your like vampire Right, you know, people. Yeah, but we're going down two, a slightly different path. But the path two there. can cross paths; yeah, like so, they're not yeah. mutually exclusive. Mutually exclusive. No, it. I most Satanists are very fucking chill. They yeah, just want to smoke weed. Well, no, they just want you to leave them alone. They just want to do their fucking thing, and you do yours. Make bonfires. And, you know, they want to erect statues of Baphomet. Right. Where they can. Right. Hey. 100%. Praise Satan. It's fine. Uh, okay. So, yeah, that was my case. So, that was pretty uh, Good job. Pretty intense. I feel thoroughly bummed the fuck out now. Yeah, cool. I hope you cool. The guys enjoyed that uh, before you go to bed. Yeah. Uh, or go to work or um, I think a lot of people uh at least a lot of people in the Facebook group that we hear from listen like first thing at work first thing at work start your Wednesday outright with some trauma it's just some trauma yeah fucking horrifying trauma I hope you're I hope I hope somebody works at the Walgreens Oh god oh my god <laughs> I hope someone stopped in the Walgreens to pick up like oh I forgot my coffee let me just get one of these like like bottled ones from the cabinet at the Walgreens. And then they're just like, <laughs> they're extra nice to the store clerk as they check out. They're like, yeah, Hey, Hey, so, hope you have a nice day. All right. Your hair looks great, babe. Bye. Love your hair. Yeah. <laughs> they say to the alopecia person beside the register. <laughs> Woof. Woof. Ooh. Ooh. That would be bad. Yeah. So no, um, if you want to hang out with us digitally, digital, digital, get down. Anybody remembers that InSync song? Get down. Was that InSync? I don't know. I think it was InSync. I was just rolling with it. I'm pretty sure it was InSync. It might have been Backstreet Boys. Fuck me. I don't remember. Um, shoot me a fucking email. Let me know. Join our Facebook group. Search the Haunted Heart Podcast on Facebook. We also have a page on Facebook. If you want to give that a like, we would greatly appreciate it. Our Facebook group, though, is a separate entity. You can request to join. It is a closed group, just so your friends and family and your great aunt Kathy doesn't see what a fucking weirdo you are. Uh, That's for you to protect you from everyone that you fucking know who doesn't know that you're into this weird ass shit. Search the Haunted Heart Podcast on Facebook. You can pull that up. If you request to join we will approve you. It's all good. You can find us on Twitter at The Haunted Heart. You can find us on Instagram at The Haunted Heart Podcast. And you can find us on Patreon 
at patreon.com slash the haunted heart podcast. We are so close to our next goal of $300 a month. Yeah. And once we do that, you guys, I don't know if you pay attention to the goals that are listed on the Patreon like page, but on our page, we have all these goals listed, um, for different, um, milestones that we want to reach as far as funding that just kind of allow us to do more with the show and the fucking $300 a month milestone is really fucking cool. It will allow us to do more content for you and to potentially show up more often in your, uh, podcast listening platform. In your ears, we will show up. I'm just, I'm just saying. So if you're interested in more of that, get your ass. If you want more of us, Get your tail on over to the Patreon, <laughs> that Patreon. Yes. So I think that is it. Um, you motherfuckers have some cool ass stories that have been bouncing around in the Facebook group, and I'm mad that I'm not getting them to read on this fucking podcast. You need to hit that Gmail inbox, the Haunted Heart Podcast at gmail.com. I want to hear all of your fucking weird stories. I want to hear any story that you have that's related to sleep paralysis. I want to hear any fucking crazy, like weird, tangential way that you're related to some, or not related to, maybe not related to, but like, way that somebody in your family was abducted by a fucking John Wayne Gacy and like had this whole fucking storyline with that. Yeah. No, somebody on the group this week was like, Oh, I live like not far from where Gacy did his thing. And I was just like, why don't I know that already? Tell me. So any story that you guys want to hear us talk about on the show, just email it to us. We're happy to read emails on the show. Please, We like that. Please. We'd like some emails. We, we lonely. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's all right though we get them spam emails that's fine <laughs> no so hit our inbox if it's something you think it's we might like, even remotely be interested in send us an email it'll be great it'll make our fucking day it's like that meme where it's like the drake meme where <laughs> he's like looking away because it's the fucking spam <laughs> and, but then like he's like yeah yeah when it's a good email that's what we want to be make us the second portion of the drake meme if yeah. you even know what that means clear content for you you yes all right all right guys you know what time it is it's time i hope you do for us to let you know that we have developed into a hot shitty mess and we gotta go so we need to let you know that until next time you better stay spooky, stay spooky.